Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And we heard your requests. We heard you. We are officially back for the 2023 NFL season. So, Cordell, it's been a long time, it feels, since you and I last talked on this podcast i'm glad to have you back friend i'm glad to be back uh and i'm excited about this year i think we've got all new storylines uh totally different from the storylines that we had not just last season but probably the last two uh and two years plus surrounding this ravens team so you know it looks like all systems go for this squad not not too many more excuses uh, for the Ravens, they've revamped their roster, revamped their coaching staff. You know, we'll, we'll see if it works for them this year. And a lot of things had happened since our last podcast. You had the Lamar signing. You had, you know, uh, the the Odell signing. I don't even think we talked about those things, the DeAndre yeah. Hopkins potential trade. But uh, we're back, and I, I am extremely glad to be back with my guy Cordell talking Ravens. Uh, for the 2023 season. So speaking of Ravens, let's get straight to it. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. a guy that is, I don't think, he, I was going to say complex, but I don't think he's complex at all, actually. I think he's very straightforward. Yeah. I think for, uh, that J.K. is um, very uh, open about what he says, and he doesn't have a lot of filter. And uh, 
he continues to kind of give us an idea of what is going on in the life of J.K. Dobbins as a professional athlete. And last week, Cordell, J.K. Um, went on Twitter and, and, and said he loved Baltimore, you know, forever and basically alluded that he wasn't sure how long he would be here. And he deleted that one tweet, which I found to be weird. But, you know, someone probably, if I had to guess, some probably, someone probably went into his ear and said, hey, go ahead and delete that. Don't yeah. put that out there. But we already saw it. And now there's speculation going on. And the speculation, of course, is the fact that J.K. Dobbins is entering the last year of his rookie contract He's looking for a rookie deal. I mean, excuse me, a new extension. And so I believe that potentially some conversations were had preliminary, preliminarily and they weren't good. And mm -hmm. it appears that he is expressing his frustrations um, to the masses. So um, when you see the situation with J.K. Dobbins and Clearly, he is going to be a factor in this offense, this new offense with Todd Munkin. And we've seen J.K. Dobbins, even though he has missed some time due to injury, we've seen what he can do. Um, and then you realize that he's looking for a new contract. And then you realize the running back situation as a whole, whether it be with the Ravens organization or the other teams. How do you see this faring? Because on my end, it feels very gloomy. Mm -hmm. But are you optimistic that the Ravens can find a way to get J.K. Dobbins here for the foreseeable future? Or do we think that this probably could be the last year that we see him in a Ravens uniform? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those weird situations where talent alone isn't enough, right? Because I think Dobbins is as talented as any running back in the league, to be honest with you. I, I think that he could be an elite running back in this league. Um, and his career to this point is it's been weird. It's been weird. He was drafted out of Ohio State, one of the high, most high-profile running backs in that class, we thought it was a match made in heaven, him with the Ravens in the backfield with Lamar Jackson, that run first offense that they had. And between his usage not being where anybody would like it to be, the injury uh, that he sustained that not only took a year from him, but basically a year and a half yes. uh, away from him. Um, and now you look up and it's year four. And it's like, what do the Ravens have to show for J.K. Dobbins' career to this point. You really have nothing but potential, you know, and, and optimism. That That's really all they have. And that's not enough to warrant an extension. I'm not saying that I don't think J.K. Dobbins is worth the money, but for them, probably not. And realistically, for if you're J.K. Dobbins, do you even want a an extension from the Ravens? What has your career been in Baltimore? To this point, it it hasn't. It's barely gotten off the ground. You yeah. know, he, he's he his career high of carries in a game is seventeen. We're talking about a guy who averages close to six yards a pop for his career. He is clearly uh, a a guy that produces clearly when he gets the ball, but he doesn't get the ball. He doesn't get the ball. <laughs> and I I get that the NFL is a dual threat run, I mean a, a a two back system now um and I love Gus Edwards I do I, I think Gus Edwards is a stud in his own right he's another one over five yards a pop 
uh, throughout the course of his career. So it's tough to not give him the ball. But even before Gus Edwards, you go back to Dobbins' rookie year with Mark Ingram. The Ravens have been reluctant to 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 ride the J the J.K. Dobbins train since they drafted him. And for the life of me, I don't know why. I don't know why. And I think you get to this point now because I think we can all agree. I, I believe, uh, barring any injuries, J.K. Dobbins is set for a spectacular 2023 season. I truly believe that. Um, not just because I'm expecting the Ravens to unleash him, not just because it's a new offense and in the NFL, you generally get that bump when you get a new offensive coordinator. We saw the Ravens have that in 2019 with Greg Roman. Um, but it's the it's professional sports, and we know how these athletes are in a contract year. It's you're going to get the best version of them. So I'm expecting JK to make this a difficult decision on them, but at the end of the day. I wonder, I mean, we've talked about this a lot with Lamar as well. I, I wonder just how much the relationship is, you know, how intact it is right now. I honestly do. JK has voiced his opinion multiple times yep. about the way that they've used him. He voiced his opinion on Twitter recently about his contract, like you said. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to bite his tongue. He's voiced his opinion about getting hurt in that preseason game against Washington. You know, he's still not over that. Um, so I, I just don't know if either side feels like the juice is worth the squeeze, you know, and the, the running back position is so devalued. It's too devalued in my yeah. opinion. Um, but I, I, I just I just don't see a situation where J.K. Dobbins is given a long term extension from the Ravens. Now, of course, they have the franchise tag in their back pocket. They've got a couple of guys that they'll have to decide who they want to use that franchise tag on. But I would imagine J.K. would be one of those leading contenders to use that on, um, especially if he has the year that I'm expecting him to have. Yeah, and I'm going to get back to your point about the running back position being devalued. It really has. So now you got Dalvin Cook, which was a dual threat running back. Um, for the Minnesota Vikings and and really one of the more prolific running backs now being a free agent because they didn't want to pay him the money that he was that he was owed. You got Ezekiel Elliott, who at one point now, now I think we can all agree that Ezekiel Elliott now is not who he was. I don't know, just even three years ago, mm-hmm. but he was still one of the you know, more profound running backs coming out of college. And, and in the first couple of years at Dallas, you got Kareem Hunt that's available. So I don't know what leverage JK has, because when you start looking at the free agents that are still available and they're good free agents and they're not as of yet picked up, I know that the Dalvin Cook situation is very premature because it just happened, but I don't, pros- I don't foresee him just someone sweeping up immediately and picking him up. We all thought that he would go to a place like Buffalo. Well, they don't have any money. So that's the issue with that. And even in a devalued system, no one is going out of their way to make room for running back salaries. You got Saquon Barkley, who the Giants want to tag him, but he wants more than $10 million. That's not going to happen. So I'm not really sure how this is going to work other than the fact that I feel more inclined to believe that the Ravens are not going to sign J.K. long-term, not only because of the 
devaluation of the running back position. I think that there's some issues too between the Ravens and JK. The rumor, remember, Cordell, was that they weren't too thrilled about him getting that orthoscopic knee surgery and he went and did it anyway. And mm-hmm. so there might be some issues, some trust issues between both JK and the Ravens. You know what I mean? And then there's still the fact that although they do have a new offensive coordinator, there still might be a bad taste in your mouth about the way that you were used under Greg Roman's system previously. So I'm not really sure if anyone can shake the, I don't think it's bad blood. So I don't want to use that term, but the distrust maybe between the two on both sides that they can feel like that they can come together and number one, give JK the value that he believes he deserves, which I'm all for. Um, But then number two, move forward from that. And then JK being very vocal about his feelings about essentially anything, you know, he is very vocal about those things. He does not Mm -hmm. bite his tongue. He says it, in interviews he says it on social media so there's that part of it too and we know the ravens do not like their dirty laundry out in the streets okay so that is concerning to me you know i do think that this potentially is the last year for jk the good things on the the good thing for the ravens in that regard though is that jk is probably like you said going to have a phenomenal year because he's going to try to get a new contract somewhere else but ultimately, I just don't I, – I, I hope I'm wrong here because I do think that he has a place in this offense, but it just really feels bleak that this could potentially get done. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, to kind of go back to your point about some of these other running backs that are going through similar situations that J.K.'s going through right now, I mean, these are more high-profile running backs than J.K. is. Saquon yep. Barkley, you know, is one of the top running backs in the league when healthy. We saw yep. how good Saquon was last year when he's healthy um, and and I'm expecting that giant situation to get fixed with him more out of all the situations. I, I'd be surprised if Saquon doesn't remain in New York just because of what he means to that offense. Exactly. But Dalvin cook, you know, he's another one. Yeah. I think he's become more boom and more boom or bust this at this stage of his career. He's not a guy that's getting you, five yards consistently every carry, but he could still take an 80 yarder to the house at any given point. He's a name in this league. And for him to just flat out get cut. If you're JK Dobbins, you do have to kind of let it sink in that as good as a player, as I may be, nobody values the running back position anymore. Correct. It's it's clear. And I don't agree with it. I think it's over the value, uh, because we see how often these running backs are used. And uh, I think when you have a really good running back, you're, we see, if you look around the league and you look at the offenses that have some of the best running backs in the league, those teams usually uh, have some sort of success, um, at least at some point over the year. So I, I, I just, in JK's situation, I, I think the injuries mixed with, uh, his usage mixed with the 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 valueness of the position, I just I just think it equals a formula that that means his days in Baltimore are probably numbered. I agree with that, and um, you know that's obviously something that we'll talk about throughout the course of the season. But one thing I can guarantee 
Cordell, is J.K. is going to give us an update, whether the Ravens oh, like yeah. it or not. <laughs> he is yeah. going to tell us what's going on because that's exactly what he does. Uh-huh. Whether it's whether he means to do it, whether he just kind of it kind of slips out. It's who he is. That's his personality. So we're going to know where he stands and where the Ravens stand because he's going to tell us. And I guarantee that reason, that's happening. I don't know how often JK will be allowed to even talk to us <laughs> uh, because they know if, yep. if, if the mic is put in front of them, there's no telling what will be said. I don't even think he's going to be speaking this week. So I wouldn't even expect to have your questions ready because I don't think that that's happening. Right. So we'll find out how that goes. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Before we get into our next segment, subscribe to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there is a new episode, you will be the first to know. Okay, Cordell, mini camp, the actual mandatory version of camp, mm-hmm. because we know that OTAs are voluntary, and, and I don't care about the, the, the OTAs because, the, because uh, the word is voluntary. Right. Well, now this is mandatory and the mandatory mini camps are starting on Tuesday, June 13th. Uh, and so everybody is supposed to report. Now we talked about JK Dobbins and it's funny. I, I didn't even think about the, the thought that I'm not even sure if he's going to report. That will be interesting because of the whole contract situation, but I guess we'll find that out on Tuesday when the players, well, it looks like he's there. He, okay. He's, well, that's good. He's, he's doing the, uh, the pro, you know, they're doing their promos and stuff for the, yes. the stadium introduction. So that they, they posted something on Twitter of him and part of the hype video. So it looks like he he's there. Is this going to be a soft sit out though, which means he's there, but he's not participating. Yeah. I'm curious to know. We'll find out soon enough. Minicamp is obviously here. We're getting one step closer to training camp season, which really is the start of NFL season. And so, you know, there's a new roster. There's a new offensive coordinator. There's new players via draft or free agency. So, you know, when you see now all of the guys mandatory being there, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to and watching? Because we know that you're going to be out there. You're going to have the opportunity to see these guys up close and personal. Is there anything specific or any one specific that you're looking forward to and seeing uh, during these mini camps? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, OTAs and, 
in football school, they were missing a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. So I, I am curious to see, especially on the offensive side, obviously, uh, what this group looks like when all the starters are around. They're still not going to be in pads or anything. So, you know, it'll take some time for us to really get the jits of what they're going to look like this year. But I am curious to see, you know, Odell Beckham. It'll be his first time out there. I don't imagine he'll do much team activities. Uh, he'll probably do a lot of what Rashad Bateman did during OTAs, which is individual work and uh, probably training off to the side a little bit. Um, but speaking of Bateman, I'd like to see how much he's going to do. He, he, you know, he didn't participate in anything team-wise during OTAs. Is he a part of the team drills now? For the start of mini camp, we'll see J.K. Dobbins being back. How does I'm like we just talked about him? I'm expecting Dobbins to be in tip-top shape. You know, I'm I'm expecting him to kind of hit the ground running. No, no pun intended. Gus Edwards, he was working off to the side a lot during OTAs. Is he now uh, allowed to participate in the team drills? I want to get a sense of what this offense can look like when all the starters are together. We've been forced to look at the, the wide receiver group and we're getting wide receiver, uh, like the first team wide receiver sets aren't who the first team wide receivers are going to be. It hasn't been any Bateman out there. Hasn't right. been any Beckham out there. Zay Flowers has a, had a soft tissue uh, issue last week uh, on the back end of OTA, so we didn't see him on the third OTA practice. Um, we'll see if he's back out there this week. Harb said he, he expected him to be, so we'll, hopefully that's the case. Uh, but I do want to see what this group looks like as a as a whole, as, as a starting unit. Um, Lamar looked like he was starting to understand the offense a lot more uh, as OTAs went on. Is he still building on that, being able to uh, make adjustments at the line of scrimmage? Definitely, I would say the third day that we were allowed to see OTAs was the best day I saw from Lamar in terms of not just throwing the ball, but just having control over the offense and the lingo and the adjustments made at the line of scrimmage. Is that continuing? Um, and I, I want to hopefully get a better feel of what this offense is going to look like. I've seen some of the window dressing that they're doing pre-snap, some different things um, that we, that we're not accustomed to seeing. I want to see what types are any of these personnel group and starting to become more and more consistent to me. How are they going to use this talented uh, tight end group that they have right now? We talk a lot about these wide receivers, but they have to find a way to get Isaiah Likely involved. I'm not even going to speak on Mark Andrews because he's still the guy in my mind. He's still yep. number one. He, he's number one in this pass offense. But how do they incorporate Isaiah Likely into this group? How do they incorporate Charlie Kohler into this group? Because I do think Kohler – is a guy that needs to see the field in some sort of capacity. I'm not saying he has to be out there playing 80% of the snaps, but red zone, short yardage situations, yes. Charlie Kohler needs to be on the field. He has a, a, a great catch radius and soft hands, and the dude knows how to find the vacated areas on the field. He's got length. He's a big body. I think they need to find a way uh, to get him on the field. Ronnie Stanley, we haven't seen him throughout the entire offseason uh, to this point. So, I'm, you know, obviously he'll be out there this week. How does he look? Uh, can he put together a, a fully healthy season? And obviously on the defensive side of the ball, you know, these pass rushers, they look good. I can't – it's tough for me to critique them right now. They're not in pads. They're barely able to make contact. So 
to this point, Ajabo and Owe have looked good, more so Ajabo. Ajabo, I'm really excited to see him. And we talked to um, Chuck Smith, offensive line, outside linebacker coach Chuck Smith last week or the week before, and he he raved about David Ajabo. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see him. The weakness of this team, though, the biggest weakness, in my opinion, the secondary, the cornerback position yeah. specifically. How do they look out there specifically at that nickel corner spot? Who's who's kind of in that rotation right now? Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis didn't really participate in OTAs at all. So although I think that the Ravens right now, look, we haven't seen them add much to the cornerback room. Yes, they drafted Caillou Blue Kelly. They signed Rock Yasin. Everybody thought they'd bring Marcus Peters back. They haven't chat, and I think that's because they want to get a look at the second-year guys and see what they can do because if Jalen Armour Davis can play, if Pepe Williams can play, I think they like that. I think that's the route they really want to go. So we'll see uh, who's able to participate and what they're able to participate in this week. But my biggest thing is trying to get a better understanding of what type of offense we'll see in 2023. Yeah, I, you hit a lot of things that, you know, I think a lot of people are definitely going to um, look forward to. And again, I, I'm with you. I don't think that Odell is really going to do anything um, probably until training camp. So mm-hmm. you might not want to set your expectations high for that. For me, I'm looking for guys that came out in the last two drafts, 2022 and 2023. I'm curious to see, and particularly, and I'm not talking about guys that actually um, contributed from 2022, like Linderbaum or even mm-hmm. Isaiah Likely. Um, I know what those guys are capable of. And even though Likely didn't probably get as much snaps as he should have, particularly in uh, Mark Andrews' absence last year, I still have an understanding of what I believe him to be as a player. But 2022, I'm definitely interested in, in David Ajabo. We only saw him for a taste at the end of last season. Um, and what, what we saw so far really felt promising. But, you know, he is still only a year removed from an Achilles injury. So I'm curious to know if he's at full speed, if, you know, if if he's how he's faring from coming back from an injury like that. Um, you already mentioned Kolar. I'm definitely interested in what's going on in that regard because he missed much of last year as well mm-hmm. due to injury. So I don't really know what type of player he can be. And, you know, he has an opportunity to be a part of this offense. Josh Oliver obviously is no longer on this team. He left in free agency. So there's a spot for him there that maybe, you know, Josh Oliver before had those snaps. It could go to him. Um, But ultimately I'm not really, all I know is from the scouting reports of the type of player that Kolar is. I don't know because I really didn't get an opportunity to see who he is. And then you also mentioned the defensive backs and Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams, you know, there was a, some injury there. There was, you know, although there was some optimism, particularly from Pepe, they didn't necessarily turn out well during the season. So there was some, a little bit of demotion there. What is it that's going to um, let you elevate your game in 2022? And I'm curious to see how they start out um, in the mini camps. So that'll be interesting. And then also for 2023, I'm interested in seeing Zay Flowers because you and I, also, we agreed that we don't think Odell is going to play, which means they should probably get a lot of action mm-hmm. right um, early on. So I'm curious to see how he's going to play, if he's going to stand out in that regard. 
Um, I'm also curious in Trenton Simpson, um, the, the inside linebacker that they got from Clemson. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about this kid. And um, I am just curious to see. They say that he can be moved around, similar to a Kyle Hamilton situation where he can kind of be put in any situation, including the backfield, which I'm not suggesting that the Ravens will do, but we've heard that he's capable of doing those things. So I'm curious to know if, if they're going to start implementing some things where he can be flexible and where he can move around. Um, so that will be interesting. I, I am just really looking forward to the younger players because obviously the older players, we already have an idea of what it is that they can do. And like I said, I don't count Kyle Hamilton. I don't count, you know, Tyler Lindenbaum. Those mm -hmm. guys played a significant amount, if not every single game. So we know what they can bring to the table. But the guys that have the biggest question marks, I'm curious to know how they're going to come out the gate and how that energy is going to continue. Um, or are they going to get better? Is this something that they're going to need to work on in training camp? I really do think that mini camp is a small sample of potentially what we'll see in July. Of course, that can change, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that if they have a bad mini camp, that they're going to have a bad training camp. But, you know, are you mentally prepared to, to do these mini camps so that can ride you into a very good training camp? How is it that you're going to come in here? Those are the things that I am looking forward to the most coming out of this mini camp. Yeah, I, I totally agree, specifically talking about those second year guys, um, because I think that the Ravens have basically opened the door for them at, the, at a variety of different positions for them to have an opportunity to play. You mentioned Josh Oliver's departure that opens it up for Charlie Kohler. Uh, I talked about how they've been reluctant to add more veteran cornerbacks because yep. I think that they want to give these young guys a look. So the opportunities are there for them. And it's up to them to to kind of seize that moment and, and kind of make that spot theirs. But there's definitely uh, some tall sub spots. And uh, we'll, I know we'll talk about position battles and stuff later, but I, I really think that Jalen Armour Davis um, is a guy that, they want if they want him to play. I, I, I truly believe they want Jalen Armors Davis to play, but he's had that health uh, uh, problems. He he had the production problems. He basically got benched last year after that Patriots game, and you didn't yep. really see much of him after that. Um, but he's got the measurables to be able to play inside and out. He's got the physicality, but can he make himself available? on a consistent basis and can he show that he can play at this level that'll that'll be the big question mark but um I, I think that they do have it they they've they kind of rolled out the carpet for these guys to be able to have the opportunity to get the playing time that they're looking for we'll see if they can take advantage i agree uh we will find out it's funny because <laughs> Baltimore only has two sports teams and both sports teams do the same thing. Oh no, we're not going to bring in veteran guys. We're going to let the young guys figure yeah. it out and yeah. see if they can make it work. So the Orioles and the Ravens are operating on similar <laughs> levels when it comes to this DB slash pitcher thing. And it's and working for the Orioles right now. Well, uh, you know, hopefully that's well, pitching, pitching, pitching is it. You, 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 <laughs> when you say pitching, that's something different. Yeah. Pitching is a little weird. All that's the other positions here. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. That's to be determined. So that is to be determined when it comes to the defensive back situation. And we right. will find out starting Tuesday who's going to finally step it up 
and act like we don't want Marcus Peters back anymore. Because that's really the biggest thing, right? Mm -hmm. People are still asking for Marcus Peters. Well, hopefully one of these guys can step up to the plate and make us forget about adding another defensive back to the roster. Have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, what are you waiting for? Hit the subscribe button so that every time there's a new episode, you will be the first to know. So let's continue the mini camp topic, Cordell. Um, in addition to those guys that we are interested in seeing and, and seeing who's going to be able to blossom, there's some competitions that are um, going around as well. And, you know, I'm going to mention the competitions and I'm curious to know where you stand when it comes to these competitions. So, Obviously, the biggest one is left guard. Um, you lost Ben Powers in free agency to the Broncos. Um, Well-deserved. You know, he really played well in his final year. And so now there is a void at the left guard position. Um, we've had conversations about Ben Cleveland potentially being a left guard. And then we're hearing you know, rumors that Fa'alele potentially is going to get the nod, although he's considered a tackle. So when you see this, how do you feel about that specific position battle in minicamp? Yeah, I think it'll be an intriguing one. Uh, definitely think it'll be an intriguing one. I think right now I'd have to say that John Simpson is probably the leading candidate for the left guard spot. He just, really now explain to the people who John Simpson is if they don't know. And, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you, I barely know. <laughs> I barely know who John Simpson is. If we're being you know fully transparent, I mean he you know he's a guy that they acquired this offseason. John Harbaugh likes him. He talks about him a lot. Okay. A couple of times already this offseason. And, you know, he kind of showed up and he's been primarily the first guy I see at that left guard spot. Now, that doesn't mean anything. Like you said, it's still very early. I mean, you know, we've seen them do some wacky things throughout the course of OTAs in terms of who's playing where position wise, depending on who's even available to them on that day to practice. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt for sure. But right now, just based off the things I've seen, it'd be tough for me to say that Simpson isn't the leading candidate right now. And I think Lele is probably the guy right behind him. I think Ben Cleveland has an uphill battle okay. to make this team. I, I honestly do. I mean, they they tried, they they had on the last day of OTAs. I don't, I'm not just I'm not gonna say I did that that he didn't get any run at guard. I didn't see it. But I saw him get more run at right tackle than I saw him get run at guard. Okay. So, you know, I or whatever we, we would take take with that whatever you will. But I, I think honestly, it's going to come down to Simpson and Falele. And Falele is intriguing because obviously he's the big body. He's he's a mountain of a man uh, in there. And if you can get him at that left guard spot, it literally clogs up that that hole over there. Nobody's getting through him now they may get around him or something like that but he is just a brick wall yes um that said i don't know if i love falele at guard you like your guards to be somewhat athletic they gotta move it's a lot of pulling yes um, you gotta be agile uh and i don't know if that's necessarily falele's skill set now during ota's a lot of the things that they did, they were going 
like 65, 70% speed. So um, it's tough for me to really gauge how quick Falele is off the ball because he's naturally not a fast guy, um, but they're already going at, you know, a condensed speed. So uh, I just don't, I don't know if his skill set is best used in that spot inside where he has to move, he has to pull, you know, and, and look, the days of there just being 380 pound defensive tackles who are slow as molasses uh, are over. You've got yeah. the Aaron Donalds, you've got the yep. uh, Dexter Lawrence's, you've got the Quentin Williams's of the world that are agile, quick, fast, and strong um, with incredible leverage at the defensive tackle position. And I think that's something that Lele would struggle with if he goes up against somebody that's half his size, but they, they're they so good with their leverage and, 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 and kind of planting their legs and, and driving. He could get pushed back in that because I, I don't think he's great with his technique necessarily. He relies a lot on natural strength. Um, so that's the only thing that concerns me with Fah Lele at that left guard spot. I think Simpson is probably more the natural left guard. I'd be shocked if Fah Lele is the guy. But, hey, the good thing is if they do decide to go that route, they've got some guys on, a, on that side, on each side of him that they can trust. Linderbaum yep. at center right there and Ronnie Stanley at the left tackle spot. I agree. And it's a, it's a shame that Ben Cleveland has been underwhelming thus far in terms of because it's it's there for the taking. And yet he has done nothing to capitalize off of his opportunities. Um, the next one, wide receiver. So Bateman, Flowers, Odell, mm -hmm. I feel like and I'll even say Duvernay because I think, I think Duvernay. That Duvernay is more considered a return specialist, but he's considered a wide receiver, obviously. Uh, I think that those guys are safe. There's other guys that are still on this roster. The Ravens got Nelson Aguilar in free agency. You still got James Prochet. You still got Tylon Wallace. I don't expect them to have seven wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> what did they have last year? Cordell four. Four, I think. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and I mean, and you and, and, and I, then like twenty thousand. Uh, what inside? No, it was how many inside? They only had a couple inside line. What did they have a lot of? Was it the tight ends? Yes, or? it was. It was tons of tight ends and not right. a lot of wide receivers. They had yeah. four tight ends, I believe, and 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 four wide receivers. It's embarrassing. Okay, well now they have a problem where they have probably too many wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, what do you foresee in this mini camp? Who is going to step it up that you believe that has to? in order to maintain at least a bubble space on this roster. So I'll say this. I I, I don't know how many wide receivers they're going to keep. I think that's the storyline to definitely keep our eye on to figure out how many they want to keep on the, the active roster. Um, but you named the people you felt were safe. To be honest, I would throw Aguilar in there. I think Aguilar is safe. Okay. I, I, think he, I think he would be safe as those. And you add him, that's what, five wide receivers now that, that, that I think are locks. I mean, that may be it right there for all we know. Now let's assume that they keep six and we can even talk about the fifth spot because I think even though they keep five wide receivers, who is that wide receiver four and five is, I think it'll be the battle between Devin Duvernay and Nelson Aguilar to see, you know, who is going to come in in, in the fourth or fifth spot okay. on the team. And 
I, I can't tell. I, I think obviously Duvernay probably has a leg up. He's been here. He's drafted by the team. He's younger. Um, he can do, I think, more things on the football field than Aguilar can. I would make the argument he's probably more consistent uh, than Nelson Aguilar is. Aguilar has his boom or bust games. He can definitely catch the deep ball, but he can also struggle with the drops uh, as well. Duvernay. Yeah, we remember the, the infamous video <laughs> of the oh, man yeah, of course. not dropping the baby because he's not Nelson Aguilar. So. Yeah, I mean, he led <laughs> the Eagles in drops one year. So. Yes. Uh, he is a he is a guy that has problems with his hands. Um, so after those guys, you go into the Prochets, the Wallaces, the Laquan Treadwells. Uh, I forgot the, all about Laquan yeah, Treadwell. Okay, um, crazy the, enough. The, the Andy Isabellas, the Dante Demases of the world, and like I said, I don't know if any of these people make the team. Now, practice squad is a different story if they can get them on the practice squad. But let's just say for bleeps and giggles, we're talking about Prochet and Wallace because I, I would have, and maybe Treadwell in that group. Those are the guys that okay. I think have a realistic shot to crack the roster. I don't know if Demons has a realistic shot to crack the roster right now over those guys who they drafted, who they've seen. We know how James Prochet lives for training camp and many he's out there OTAs making the one-handed grabs and stuff. Yep. He's all pro during this time of year. Um, I don't know if that'll be enough to save him this year though. We'll see. Um, Wallace gives, I think has a little more of a leg up because he's more involved special teams wise than James Prochet is now Prochet, I think, when Duvernay went down and Prochet was the return, was the punt return guy, I thought oh, oh, uh, he did kick a little bit of kick return as well, him and Justice Hill. But I thought Prochet was actually decent as a return guy. He wasn't bad. Um, that's it. You know, if I had to pick between one of those two guys, man, it, it's so tough. It, it's so tough. They're, they, they're both inconsistent. They both kind of have similar skill sets. Wallace is probably more of the vertical threat. Prochet more of the underneath guy. Um, I, I guess it would depend on what, what they're looking for and who they feel contributes more in the special teams. But I'd have to say Wallace right now is probably the guy that, that sticks around. And, hey, maybe Lamar has a little bit of say-so in this. I don't know. I know Prochet's his guy. So if he does have say-so, maybe that is the thing that keeps Prochet around a little longer. Uh, but – I'd be surprised, you know, if they keep many, if any of these extra guys that we're talking about at the wide receiver spot. But for me, I would probably say Wallace is the guy that sticks around. And finally, the defensive back position. We talked about um, those guys in the previous segment, the guys mm -hmm. like Pepe Williams, guys like Jalen Armour Davis. Who, what battles do you think, who gets the edge, do you believe, um, coming out of minicamp? So this is an intriguing one because obviously Marlo is going to be a corner. I think yes. Rock Yassin is going to be the other outside corner. And the thing with Rock Yassin is that he is a predominantly outside corner. So when you talk about bringing Marcus Peters back, I think that's what makes it so difficult is because where's Peters going to play? You I know, think that they would like Peters to be outside because they really right. like Marlon inside. Well, I, and that's the thing. I mean, do they want to commit to Marlon just being a, a an, an inside guy? Yeah. 
I don't know, you know, because I, I while Marlon can play inside and out, and I like Marlon on the field. I don't care where he's at, right? Um, personally, but I don't, I, I don't know if they're ready to commit to Marlon just being an inside guy, especially considering how good Kyle Hamilton was inside. Like, they may feel like, why do we even need to do that when we already have a guy that maybe they don't, e- and they don't even want Kyle Hamilton to exclusively be a nickel corner. He won't right. do that either. So that is another variable in the equation. I think they have a lot of things to figure out right now. And I think that they're hoping some of these corners on their team right now will help them make that decision. Um, and so Pepe William and John and, and Jalen Armour Davis are the two guys we talked about earlier. I think Jalen Armour Davis is more of an outside guy than an inside guy. Um, and, you know, how often are they going to want to put these guys in the mix? If we're, I, I think the only spot that's really up for grabs is this nickel corner spot. If we're, ta- if we're talking three corners on the field at the time. Uh, and I think Pepe is probably the guy that fits that the best. Um, but let's not forget, Brandon Stevens is there. That yep. they want to get on the field. Um, I, I still believe that they want to try to find a way to get Kavon Seymour on the field yep. as well, who got hurt last year. Um, Daryl Worley is another veteran on this team that yes. played pre- play pretty decently last year. Obviously, they drafted Caillou Blue Kelly um, as well. And Geno Stone, him at the safety spot, how does that, you know, how much playing time is he going to get? Because obviously they like to put Kyle Hamilton down in the box, but we also heard John Harbaugh say that Brandon Stevens is focusing more on safety than corner this year. So, I mean, their rotation is going to be crazy. I don't know how they're going to get all these guys on the field. Who's going to find a way to crack that roster, you know, crack the, the opportunity to play. Um, but I think Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis are the two main guys who need to find a way to to cement their spot in this rotation. I completely agree. So you will be out there uh, this week, correct? I will be. Camps. Okay, so we'll be back. And when we come back for our next episode, I'm sure that Cordell will give us a nice update about what he saw early on in many camps. And we'll have some other topics going on as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's we're one step closer, one mm-hmm. step closer to the NFL season. Mini camp means training camp, which means preseason, which means NFL season. So yes. basically we're here. It's, this is just the appetizer of what's to come. Uh, and, and summer is just rolling, which means that the NFL is about to roll as well. So we look forward to hearing from you about what you saw at minicamp. And we'll talk about that again in our next episode. We want to thank you all for listening to the Winning Drive podcast. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 